Champaign, Illinois native Emily Harrington coming to you from Kitchen Table Studios in the ever-evolving, sometimes boring, flatlands of Champaign-Urbana for the next podcast episode of Hyperlocals, where townies and transplants share their tales of tears and triumphs, losses and wins, so stay tuned to catch the characters behind the beloved Twin Cities of CU. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hyperlocals podcast. Today, we're going outside of the box and into an office room. So this is my first location interview. So I hope it sounds okay and goes great, which I think it will. But we have someone who's different from my usual cast of characters. We have a politician with us, and his name is Mr. Chapin Rose. Hi, Chapin. Hello. You say it as if it's a bad thing. Well... (laughs) Often, politicians have a bad it's, reputation. It's, it's all good. It's all good. And I think you're going to demystify that for oh, us, good. if I could guess. I hope I can. So, Chapin, tell me how you get to be a transplant, meaning how do you get to Muhammad? Yeah, so I grew up on the west side of the state, but then what I would consider hometown is Charleston. Um, my mom landed at Eastern Illinois University uh, when I was in sixth grade okay. and um, stayed. So I'm a proud Charleston Trojan. Uh, high school graduate. Met my wife there. Actually, our lockers were one away from each other. Cute. Yeah, so um, from sixth grade on. She then went to Augustana College, and I went. Uh, for, her parents are both professors at Eastern. Okay. It's actually kind of funny because my mom was administration, and, you know, professors and administrators don't always get it along, but whatever. <laughs> uh, my wife went to Augustana. I went to U of I. We continued to, you know, date throughout college, et cetera, and then I stayed for law school here. At U of I? At U of I. Okay. She got her master's degree at Rush uh, University in Chicago in occupational therapy. So you're doing a little long distance there. Yeah, yeah. And then, but that was about a year and a half program for her, um, two years. And then we got married. She moved down here. We lived in Urbana and then moved to Muhammad. And you love Muhammad. Great town. Yeah, really good people. And this is where you're raising three kids? Four kids. Four kids. Yeah, God had a sense of humor in the last <laughs> round and sent two. So, yeah. Is this genetic or? No, no. They are identical, which is just the random chance. Okay. So. But it does not run in your family. Correct. Ones that run in, in your family are fraternal. Okay. And they tend to skip generation. And then if they're identical, it's literally just random chance. So you went for one more. So, we, well, we lifted up the God. And uh, like I said, God had a sense of humor. So. I love it. I yeah. love it. So we have four. Okay. And where are they in high school, Muhammad? So my son is a senior graduating next month, which mm-hmm. is hard to believe. Oh, my gosh. Um, our daughter is a junior, going to be a senior. Just made madrigals. Shout out to Annie. For, congratulations for that. Shout out, Annie. And then our twin are sixth graders. Okay. They are kick and tail in sixth grade. Okay. And by trade, you went to school to be an attorney. Yes. And got your law degree at U of I. Yes. So then are you practicing law at any point or you go straight into (laughs) politics? Yes. So I was a prosecutor um, 
came out of law school, I actually interned in the Champaign County State's Attorney's Office, which was awesome. Got a 7-Eleven, which is not a convenience store. It's actually a license to practice when you're still in law school. Really? Yeah, and you get to go in court and do all kinds of cool stuff. Are um, you an exceptional student and that's no, why you I'm get a, that? No, 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 no. <laughs> and for you to say exceptional student is pretty hilarious. <laughs> No, I will tell you this. My last semester of law school, Mm -hmm. I didn't buy a single textbook and I got straight A's. That's how Andrew, my husband, is. Well, it's figuring out the game, right? You know, and I will not say it started that way, but it's kind of just figuring out what's expected and, you know, et cetera. But my first semester of law school did not start out with straight A's. I'll just tell you that much. Okay. But no, as a 7-Eleven, I worked in the state's attorney's office. Mm -hmm. I worked in traffic court. And as long as you have a supervising attorney there, you can actually do trials and do all kinds of stuff. So while a lot of my classmates were still you know, reading textbooks, I was actually trying cases mm-hmm. and loved it. You know, and the great thing about traffic court, you can learn a lot. <laughs> no one ever says that. Well, no, no, right. But you can learn a lot as a still a student. If you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world because uh-huh. it's traffic court typically, right. right? But also you can do a lot of good. And and by that, I, I say the following, you know, when the little lady gets in the fender bender at Walmart mm-hmm. and she's never had a ticket in her life, you can just dismiss it, mm. you know, Yeah. go in peace, yeah. right? On the other hand, you can take a lot of really nasty people off the streets 30, 60, 90 days at a time. Yeah. You know, and thankfully, that's not most traffic court, right? Right. But we had all of that. You know, in fact, uh, Judge Jones was our judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Jones, he's since retired. But, you know, I literally remember the day that the little lady came in and she was shaking. She was so oh. scared. She, You know, she'd never been in court in her entire life. Sure. And here she'd gotten a ticket, and she was like in her 80s, early 90s, or whatever. And she was so scared. And we just looked at it like, oh my, you You know, I looked at nobody was hurt. Yeah. You know, I said, I said, ma'am, did you did you pay the the damage? I paid it. You know. Yeah. And she was in tears, and please, lady, judge, we dismiss. You know what I mean? So you can feel good about that. On the other side of the coin, you can, you know, there's a lot of not so nice people right. that accrue traffic offenses. Right. And if you manage it properly as an office, you can take a lot of bad guys off the streets. And, you know, 30, 60, 90 days doesn't sound like a lot, but it's 30, 60, 90 days they're not shooting somebody sure. or committing some other violent crime right. while they're walking the streets. And so I felt pretty good about that experience. Um, loved it. Loved it so much. Stuck around after I graduated law school and stayed on for a couple of years in the state attorney's office. And then so you were able office. to look at each of these cases with empathy and sympathy rather than just the fact. Yeah, so you're not doing a good job as in that setting as a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're either in the state's attorney's office or the public defender's office, if you're not looking at the human being in front of you and making yeah. an individual call, you're not doing your job. So one of the things I object to some of the most recent criminal law reforms, quote unquote reforms that have happened is they're treating people by an algorithm, not by an individual person. Mm-hmm. You know, and each individual person's circumstances are different, mm-hmm. right? And so as I moved up, you know, in the state's attorney's office, I went from Chavin and did child support enforcement, which is the worst mm. job, I think, out there for anybody. Yeah. Um, and then I did criminal uh, felonies. And, you know, it's spending a year in child support enforcement will really heighten you to the good and bad in life. Mm-hmm. It will also, if you're not careful, become almost a self-defeating attitude just because like I, the last day I did the court call, we had four generations of the same family. Mm. You know, great granddad owed like $72,000 on dad, on granddad. Granddad owed like $36,000 on dad. And dad was a 16 or 17 high school kid with a six month old baby. Mm. You know, and so literally you're looking at four generations of the same family, none of whom are paying attention to anything. Right. And, you know, have just dug themselves holes they'll never dig out of. Yeah. And it it was just awful. And, And finally, it was so. 
I'd say mentally taxing, but it wasn't, I mean, the work wasn't, I mean, it was very formulaic, Yeah. but it was more of like, it just weighed on your soul. Sure. Right. It was just sort of crushing. Right. So I finally uh, told my boss at the time who I said, look, man, you, either you can move me somewhere else or I'm going to go do something else because yeah. I can't watch four generations of the same people come through. Yeah. I mean, this is not working. Right. You're um, not seeing any change. Right. It, it just isn't. And one thing you unfortunately have to realize is that it's like the old 80-20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. Like 80% of the people do, you know, 20% of the work and 20% of the people do 80% of the work, mm-hmm. right? There's 5% of people that aren't necessarily evil, bad, awful people, mm-hmm. but they're just not going to care. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to walk through life and exit life with nothing to show for it, right. unfortunately. Right. And, you know, it's stunning at some level how little this group, I mean, they just, you know, if they get a job, fine. If they don't get a job, fine. Mm-hmm. If they quit their job, fine. If they get fired from their job, oh, well. Right. If they spend 20 days in jail, big deal. If they don't pay their child support, big deal. Right. It's amazing. And like literally, you look at it, it's your A-listers in traffic court are your missed career misdemeanors are your people who don't pay child support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. It's the right. same group. Right. And it's just like every day is a different court call. Right. It's just a different charge or yeah. a different case. And it's, you know, and eventually like, don't you want to do something else besides get called in the court every day? And again, you know, I distinguish this group of people from like the violent and evil people. Sure. Right. Sure. There is violence and evil out there. Mm-hmm. And in felony court, you see that. Mm-hmm. This 5% is just meandering through life. The rules are there. They don't particularly care. Right. If it pulls them out of life for on a mandatory timeout and in the jail for 20 days, oh, well, I'll see you in 20 days. Yeah, right. And it's just sad. Like that four generations of the same family, right. you know, and you have all these smart people at the University of Illinois and everywhere else trying to figure out how to interdict that. Mm-hmm. And yet it's that same 5%, you know, don't have car insurance. You get hit by one. You right. know, you get, don't have a driver's license, don't have whatever. And it's just, they never get out of start. Right. So how do you go from there to politics? You seem like you're straddling two worlds kind of the whole time. Yeah. So look, it's kind of a weird situation, but I had one of those moms that was like addicted to the news cycle and um, was always, you know, very engaged in in civics and Mm -hmm. current events and things like that. So I always had that kind of nature, you know, uh, around me. I mean, I remember as a little kid growing up in Jacksonville and then as a really little kid and then over in the West Side State and then in Springfield, and, you know, and we'd see people with all these, you know, senators or governors mm-hmm. or stuff around and, and she'd always be talking about it. So anyway, when I was in high school, um, one night Jim Edgar was running for governor. of okay. Illinois. He's from Charleston. And one of my buddies whose mom was a precinct committee woman for the Republican Party was forcing him to go make phone calls at Republican headquarters for Edgar. And he's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I don't know nothing. He's like, why don't you come make phone calls? I'm like, I don't want to make phone calls, Seth. And he's like, what else you got to do? Nothing. So I went down to Republican headquarters and started cold calling people I didn't know for Jim Edgar for governor and realized I'm one of those insane personalities that actually enjoys calling people I don't know and talking to them and getting to know them and, you know, trying to convince them why Jim Edgar was better than Neil Hardigan, I guess it was at the time, you know. So came to U of I, got involved here with Rick Winkle, Uh who ran for state representative in 94. And I was a student campaign manager, campus campaign manager, and uh, got to know a lot of really nice people. It was very fun. It's very social. And if you do it right, you can actually help people. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this process. Your mom was a big part of your life. How did your dad contribute? So my dad died when I was very young. Oh, very young. Yeah. Well, sixth grade. Sixth grade. Yeah. So he never got to see you do what you've done. Right. If he hadn't died and I hadn't 
you know, sort of figured it out on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't know what would have happened, right? Yeah. But I also know that I had a lot of very good people around me that sort of adopted me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and picked me up. So. And your mom became your sole influence, really. Well. <laughs> Those news cycles <laughs> we, are watching her. Well, look, we're Irish, so there was. <laughs> oh, there's a family everywhere. There, it was sort of a, a never-ending argument, series of arguments, but yes. But it was very good. You know, one thing I know from my mom, and this applies to everybody, in this country, you can do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. But nothing's given to you. Mm-hmm. You have to work for it. Yeah. And one of the things that drives me nuts about the current cultural climate is, A, everything is given out. Uh. But two, there's sort of this self-defeating attitude that says people aren't good enough or can't do it without someone else's help. Right. Well, certainly you need figures, right? You need positive influences mm-hmm. all around you. Mm-hmm. But no one should tell you you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You yourself, by yourself. And anytime I get a chance to talk to kids, I always tell them, like, listen, guys, like, if you look at you know, Barack Obama, his dad died when he was young, raised by a single mom. Bill Clinton, his dad was the town drunk, you know, who basically was never around. Uh, Ronald Reagan, his dad was the town drunk. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Jim Egger, his dad died when he was very young, mm-hmm. you know, as a young man in Charleston, became governor of Illinois. You know, nowhere does it say life is going to be easy. Life is going to come without problems. Life is going to come out without sadness. Life right. is going to come out with adversity. Right. How you respond to those things is what defines you. Right. And that is, I, I think, where, you know, some of this is really bothersome. You know, somehow this notion that everything is going to go fine. Mm-hmm. Well, it isn't. Mm-hmm. But how you deal with it is what makes you. And I wish we'd spend more time talking about how you deal with it, how you deal with adversity, than somehow like just pretending it doesn't exist. Right. Because it does. And I was very fortunate to have a, a, one of my junior high school teachers that stepped in for me at, at about the same time my dad died. Okay. And if he hadn't done that, I don't know where I'd be. So you, you contribute your success or path a lot to him? To keeping me on the right path? Yeah. At a time when you could easily go off the wrong path. Right. Talking about where you came from and your mom, you have a really cool name, Chapin Rose. It sounds like a soap opera star. It's funny because when I ran for office, all the women thought I was a, a woman. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, and all the dudes thought I was a dude. And so, like, you get kind of like if you're a female running against a male, you get like a 2% bump because there's certain women, the only women run, vote for women candidates. Oh, funny. So I picked up, like, that vote oh, un- unwittingly. Funny. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, but it's my grandmother's maiden name is the answer to your question. Okay. There's a little town by Jacksonville, Illinois that is the only place in America they know how to pronounce it. Okay. Um, other than South Carolina, there's a chap in South Carolina. And other than that, I get Chapin, Chaplin. I mean, like, there's no L. Right, 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 <laughs> People right. People impute it. Yeah. So. Is this your real name? Well, it's my middle name. What was your first real name? Yeah, Thomas. So, See, and you're just not a Thomas. Well, there's like seven or eight Toms in my family, so I went by Chapin. It is just the coolest name. Thank it is you, such sure. a politician name. <laughs> Thank you. But it was Florence Chapin was my grandmother. Florence oh my Chapin. Gosh, so uh, cool. Rose. Okay, so I want a lesson a little bit from you, and I think you're the person to give it from what I gather. I grew up one political way. I married another political way, okay? I consider myself not a political person. I try to stay as neutral and have blinders on all the time. And I'll find myself listening to a YouTube video from a California-based YouTuber, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm liberal. Then I hear a comedian rant on the right side, and I'm like, oh, I totally agree. A few more minutes with you, and I might be calling myself a Republican. And I feel like something is wrong with me. Like, do you have to pick a side? First of all, you're absolutely normal. People but like, some people are so hell-bent on one way or the other. Yeah. 
I'm one of the abnormal ones. Okay. Right? Because we get very passionate. And if you're on the right or the left, there's that 20% on either side that is extremely passionate. Mm -hmm. Most people are trying to raise their family, make a living, you know, pay for their car payment, you know, right. put food on the table, send their kids to college. Right. right. And one of the things that is, I think, both parties and ideology struggle with is trying to talk to average people who just frankly don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the major problems we have is, you know, like you look at suburban America, people get on the train at 630, they get off the train at 630. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when are they supposed to vote? Mm-hmm. Right. Let alone pay attention to who they're voting for. Right. So I actually think that the candidates who are going to win mm-hmm. are going to be the ones that are talking to people about what the price of gas is right now. Mm-hmm. What the you know, is going on in the grocery store right now. Right. Because people see what they see. You know, everybody gets in their echo chamber where they only hear people that agree with them. Yes. And they self-select. And so liberals only hear liberals, conservatives only hear conservatives, and then they can't possibly believe that anyone believes otherwise. Right. Right. What do you mean Donald Trump, you know, won the first time? Right. And, you know, and that's not possible. I haven't talked to anybody that way. Well, you know, first of all, the district I represent, and this is a little off topic, but the district I represent has urban cores like Champaign-Urbana. Mm-hmm. It's got suburban areas like Muhammad and Monticello and St. Joe and mm-hmm. those areas. And then it's got just straight up rural, right? right. Like I got a lot of farm country. Right. And I, on any given day, will hear a multitude of opinions. But if I just sat in Urbana, I would only hear one opinion. Mm. If I just sat in, in Shelbyville, I'd only hear one opinion. Right. Right. So maybe I'm doing it the right way. You are. You're the normal person, right? And so what has to happen here is people have to have a cognition that, you know, government can help or hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my general opinion is usually government is imperfect. Well, not usually, it very much is so is. And the further it gets away from people, the more imperfect it becomes, right? Mm. So, like, your locally elected officials are usually the most in tune with what's going on right. in your community. And the other thing, too, is everybody wants to worry about who's president, mm-hmm. okay? Who's president on any given day of the week is going to have very little impact on your life. Oh, interesting. Who your kid's school board is right. is going to have way more impact on your life. So interesting. You yeah. know, what mm-hmm. happens in schools is almost 100% driven by state and local policy. Mm-hmm. The federal government, other than paying a little bit of the bill, not even the lion's share. Okay, everybody's like, oh, the federal the taxes. You know, federal government pays very little for local schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, so other than like special ed funding and some transportation money, yeah, the feds really don't have much sway over what happens to your kids. Right. So I know you've got a young family. Uh-huh. You and Andrew have a young family. Those kids have got years still in a school district. Right. And everybody wants to worry about Joe Biden and Trump yeah, or Hillary yeah. or, or whatever. The big picture. Right. But the reality is who's teaching your kids is going to be driven by who's locally elected. Yeah. At the local school board. So that's what I should be paying attention to. Yeah. First of all, you know, you talk about civic duty. But civic duty is to show up and vote every two years or in the municipal off year elections. Mm-hmm. That's not enough, right? You got to know the people. You got to talk to them. You got to know what's going on. What are their views? I mean, look at Champaign. You have a wonderful community here, mm-hmm. right? Yet you have a couple city council members who somehow think that the police are our problem. Right. And not only that, that a elderly couple who had bullets shot into their house who then go to the city council meeting to talk about it, they're the problem. Mm-hmm. No. The people who shot the bullets in their house are the problem. Right. Not the elderly couple. Right. And you got two city council members here who berated the elderly couple who pay their taxes and pay their salary and everything else right. as citizens and refuse to address the fact that you have a crime wave of epic proportions happening here mm-hmm. in a wonderful town. This should not be happening. And so, again, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Sure. 
What is the Champaign City Council doing to put more police on the streets to keep us safe? Right. What are they doing to make sure that this comes to an end, right? Mm -hmm. It's the Champaign City Council. That's your first line of defense. Right. So I don't even remember the question now. Well, if I have to, what I'm saying to you is I don't, I don't watch the news. I keep blinders on and I just keep my head down. And I think what you're saying, if I'm going to focus any efforts on politics, stick to what's super close to home. Yes. To incite change. Yes. Don't worry so much about the federal lever because that's really not going to matter. 90% of what happens to you on a daily basis is going to happen to you by a state or local official and not a federal official. So it's not sexy, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, like everybody wants to chase who president is. Right. But the reality is in your town, who your city council is, who your school board is, has got way more impact on your life. And, And you are very normal. And again, it's going to be, and this is what it's going to be about, price of gas, price of groceries. Yeah. And crime because that matters to everyone right. you know i saw this man on the news the other night i don't know his name but it was on the news and off of bradley avenue you know he's like i can't put my kids on a bicycle to go to school yeah okay that's a problem yeah i agree so the first step is acknowledging it's a problem like you just did right the next step is getting involved to solve that problem mm-hmm. you can put blinders on and not pay attention to the news yeah and in fact that's a i mean I, there's days of the week i the last thing i want to do is watch the news yeah but the fact that you want to be able to put your kids on the bike is imperative. Right. That's going to be the defining issues of this next election. So you don't think it's irresponsible of me to be uninformed? I think if you get to the voting box, you could do significant damage by casting an uninformed ballot. Okay. So prior to voting and do vote. And the best thing you can do is not just vote, you know, as your civic duty. Uh-huh. But get to know the candidates and figure out which ones are going to solve problems. Don't go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Right. Okay. Solve problems. Okay. Do you consider yourself argumentative because <laughs> of the fields you are in? So I'm Irish. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, my mom and I, I think we argued every day. Of, you know, in fact, I, when she passed away, Aww. I remember saying to somebody, I'm like, I can't believe I miss somebody who all I did was argue with. Uh, I'm like, I mean, like, I miss arguing with her. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it was like, that's what we did, you know? And it was like a Harvard debate, you know? Oh, She'd put something out, I'd put it out, and we'd just go. And like, half time, we didn't even know why we were even going. Even on your, you're on the same side of the political side. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh, how But funny. it was like, but we just argue, and that's what we did. But but the answer to short answer is no. I'm generally a guy that believes that you start by being nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is that? I never did figure out the whole saying, but like the whole deal about um, sugar gets more flies than vinegar or something like that. I don't know. Something about you can catch more flies with honey than that's vinegar? What, yeah, that's okay, what, yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah, yeah. So if I get angry, you know, something really went wrong. Yeah. So I'm very lucky I've got a great staff. And 20 years I've had, I can still count the number of bad days on two hands. Oh, you that's know? awesome. Because you just don't, it's all about attitude, right? You know, when your dad dies in sixth grade, you yeah. can just decide life sucks and it's unfair. Yeah. Or you can move forward and decide to make every day worth living. Right. You know, and so if you take every day worth living, then you don't worry about the small stuff. Yeah. Now, I will not back down from a fight if yeah. it's the right cause. Okay. And I believe in it. I also tell my kids this whole like words hurt thing it sort of leads to a victim mentality if you start with the premise of you know sticks and stones will break your bones but words will never hurt Uh then you can never let someone hurt you and i tell my kids like listen i don't ever hear you bullying anybody Mm -hmm. but i do want to hear you stepping between a bully and someone being bullied Mm. 
You know, and if, if you get suspended from school mm-hmm. because you got between the bully and punched him on right. behalf of somebody who was being bullied, right? you know, how do you do with the bully? You punch him in the nose. So, you know, I'm not going to back down from the right fight from what I believe is right. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's not where I start. You know, in, in high school, you know, I was always the guy that was sent to negotiate. Oh, my God. How funny. <laughs> you know. I can imagine. Because for things to work, everybody has to feel that they won. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the problems you have right now is everybody's so dug in that they can't see anybody else's perspective. Yeah. And for society to actually cohesively move forward, people have to come together, be willing not to get 100%, right? but take 80%, realizing the other person is not going to get 100% either. Right. And that is sorely missing right now. One of the things that made me want to interview you was I consider you kind of the anti-politician a little bit. You <laughs> swim at the YMCA. You drive a little sedan. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard it's rumored that you can wear shorts and that's in your contract. Is that right? Yeah, I have a shorts clause. That's for sure. Yeah, I have a shorts So clause. you don't, you despise probably dressing up. I'm a year-round shorts guy for sure. Why is that? Um, Temperature? You no, know, my mom used to make me dress up like an idiot when I was a little kid. It all goes back to your mom. <laughs> like, honestly, I had to wear like a suit. Like, if I got on an airplane when I was a little kid, I had to dress up to get an airplane. That's I, an old school thing. I've heard a lot of oh, people yeah. say that. It, it was a big, like, well, it, it was a big deal back in the 70s. And now people are barefoot. Yeah, right. But I also just despise hot. <laughs> so, like, I mean. That is so I, funny. I do not, like, I, I shovel snow in my shorts. That so, is hilarious. Yeah. So you've just never... You have never become the typical politician because you abhor that or you found your way more relatable? Well, first of all, it's just me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, no one would say I'm a suit and tie guy, Yeah, you know, because it's just not who I am. And I'm more worried about what I'm getting done than I am about what people think about me. Mm -hmm. Because if you get too caught up in what people think about you, you'll never get anything done. Yeah. Right? And there was this point early on where I like – you know, I heard this thing about Bill Clinton once. When I was younger, I'm like, man, that guy's really got it going on. Mm-hmm. And then I figured out, like, no, that's horrible. Yeah. It's the opposite of leadership. So I read this thing about Bill Clinton that he would go in a room and he'd immediately find the two people in the room that don't like him. So there's 99 people in a the room. There's yeah. one guy that doesn't like him. Yeah. And he would spend his entire time talking to the one guy trying to convince him yeah. to like him. Uh-huh. Right? And, you know, I used to have that same kind of like, you got, I mean, I got to find, I mean, I got to get, you know, I... Whatever it is. Then all of a sudden I figured out, like, wait a minute. If I spend too much time on this one thing, I'm not getting 10 other things actually accomplished. Sure. Okay. And I'm ignoring 99 other people who would also like to talk about what's important to them. Right. And that's hard to do. It's hard for me to not spend four hours talking to one person. Yeah. But then as you grow older, you realize that that four hours you could have done great things for yeah. You know, the rest of the group. It's difficult, right? Yeah. There's only so much time in the day. Yeah. But, and you have a family and right. two jobs and yeah. But it's... But you're passionate and you want to make these changes. Right. You've got to get it done. And now the opposite though of that, which does drive me crazy, it, and you see this in governors and in presidents, where everything is just maximized for the maximum people. And if someone else gets burned, mm-hmm. they don't care because mm-hmm. they maximize for the maximum people. Right. That's where, like, I won't go. Mm-hmm. You've still got to have empathy to understand that, you know, someone whose life is in crisis, they need help. Right. You can't just say, well, 
screw them. I got to go to the next meeting. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can get 51% of the people through the door and the other 49 are going to sink. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that is something that drives me nuts about chief executives, it, like of all stripes, frankly, mm-hmm. because it just almost becomes like an algorithm, right? How do we get to the 50 plus one? Right. Well, what do the 49 have to say? Right. And so finding that balance is really um, difficult and it's been hard to do. I still have trouble with it, honestly. But, um, you know, eventually you, you realize that you got to keep everything moving in motion. Yeah. And yet still try to figure out a way to help as many people. You know, there's some people who are just never going to agree. Yeah. You said being in the public eye, you can't care too much what people think. You are who you are. So how do you deal with social media if you deal with it at all, and negative comments, because of the arena you're in, 50% are going to disagree with you publicly. How do you deal with that? First of all, as I said before, I abhor social media. Are you on like Instagram? No, I don't don't have an (laughs) Instagram. I do have a Twitter and a Facebook that I use on occasion. And then I quickly realize why I don't use them more. But first of all, people will say something on Facebook that they'd never say to your face in a grocery I store. Oh, you can hide. Right. And it's also become, sadly, like there's the group of people that use it to catch up with their grandkids. Sure. Which is awesome. Yeah. And then there's the group of people who have literally, I believe, have nothing else going on in their lives except to sit around and snipe at people. Right. And so like, this is where I learned this lesson. I sent out this like terrible joke. As Cheap and Rose Senator? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But it was like one of these big celebrities got like their dog stolen and they had to pay like $40,000 to get their dog back. Right? Okay. And it was like last year. It was the first nice spring day of the year. And I got up in the morning and I said, Facebook, I said something about liberals. How dare they steal, you know, the dog or whatever. And conservatives, you know, who is this person to begin with? Right. right. Something like that. Whatever it was. It wasn't that funny. But I. But were you there. feeling real proud of the joke? You thought this is Yeah. Good. Yeah. I thought this would be great. <laughs> so I shot this out there. Literally within an hour, there were 80 people on the first beautiful Saturday of the spring. Yeah. Beating the living tar out of me, each other. I mean, just cussing, screaming, you know, you son of a, you know. The right was mad at me and the left was mad at me. All over this stupid Lady Gaga had her dog stolen. You know, network news. There was a lead story of the day. Lady Gaga's dog stolen. Right. Who the hell cares? Right. Conservatives. Who's Lady Gaga? Right? Right. So I was kind of making fun of everybody, right? Sure. Because first of all, Lady Gaga's dog stolen. It's not like Ukraine. Right. right? Ukraine's real. Your dog gets stolen. It's too bad. Everybody's mad at me. And I'm like, I end up having to delete the conversation. And I just started thinking like, who are these people that on a beautiful Saturday... Mm-hmm. have nothing better to do except this. Right. It's like one of those move on moments like I was just talking about before. Before, I'd sit there and try to convince them all I'm actually a nice guy and it was a joke and blah, yeah. blah. If I'm like, whatever. If that's who you guys are, right. good luck. You know so you I mean? did not let it ruin your day? No, absolutely not. But 10 years ago? Yeah, I would have I would have brooded on it all day. Ugh. You know, and, don't and you it, think that's age, that an experience that comes? Part of it, yeah. Part with that of that revelation. But I am, I you know, but at some level, I still like I feel bad for these folks. Yeah, that that's all they've got. Yeah, but I'm not about to take time away from my kids right. or other things that are productive for the constituents I represent to worry about that. And so as a consequence, I just don't do a whole lot of it. You know, I will say there was one funny joke. There was one funny guy in there who was a liberal from Urbana who said, but you do know who Get Lady Gaga is, meaning me. And I thought that was pretty funny. You know, I did laugh at that one. But other than that, I'm just like, whatever, people just I started to look at things from who they're coming from as what's going on in their life. And it helps me deal with the result. There's We got one lady that it's like, 
I'm convinced if I issue a tweet at 4 a.m. in the morning or wow. 10 o'clock at night or 2 p.m. in the afternoon, she's instantly mad. Oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah. dude. Yeah, she needs what? a hug. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. what is going on with you? You yeah, know what I mean? Right. And pre-social media, which I and pre-COVID, I used to call people up. I'm like, hey, listen, I saw this letter to the editor. Right. Right. I understand you're unhappy. Let's go to Panera's and talk about it. Oh, that's nice. And I still like I still do that. A guy had mad at me from the U of I the other day, and I just left him a voicemail. I said, "Hey, he's you know probably thinks I'm stalking him, but it was pretty easy to find his number on the U of I directory." Right. Say, so, hey, saw your thing. Just called you back. If you want to talk about it, call me. Right. Most of the time, people are so stunned you called them. Sure, it's disarming. Right. What I have found is it takes about eighty percent of the time to let them just get out. Mm-hmm. their aggression and their mm-hmm. anger and their angst. And then 20% of the time to try to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's solvable. Sometimes it isn't. But most of the time it is solvable. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody listening to this, just so I tell you, I don't care what your partisan affiliation is. If you've got an issue, call me, call Scott Bennett, you know, call one of our offices. Uh-huh. And Scotty, by the way, is on the Democrat side. Right. But call one of us. Don't just stew on it. Mm-hmm. Don't snipe at us on Twitter. Yeah. Call us and go, let's go to Panera and talk about it. Yeah. Usually we can figure it out. Yeah. Now there's going to be points of disagreement, right? I mean, but gosh dang it. Here's the thing. Most of what happens in Springfield and Washington, D.C. is agreed to by everybody. Mm -hmm. Nobody believes that. You know why? Because on Twitter and CBS and CNN and Fox, all you see is the disagreement. Mm -hmm. But 85 or 90% of what goes up on the board in Springfield for a vote is agreed to by everybody. There's no Democrats. There's no Republicans. There's no upstate. There's no downstate. It's just a good idea for Illinois. Sure. But headlines, legislators agree, don't sell newspapers. Don't sell advertising on TV. So what do you get on TV and your papers? You get the 20 percent when we're angry yeah then people call us mad or they don't call at all because they're so mad right the other problem is call we'll try and sometimes we can't there are moral conviction issues that you are who you are mm-hmm. and that's not going to change and mm-hmm. you know there's going to be people in my district that feel differently than me on certain moral issues and that's okay mm-hmm. i'm not asking them to change their mind but i run on those issues and i get elected on those issues sure. just like democrats in urbana run differently than i do and their voters vote them in for those different positions. Right. But most of the time, it's stuff we can work together on and figure out. And I just wish that the media would spend as much time on areas of agreement than sort of this awfully jaundiced view of government that mm-hmm. just nothing works. Right. Because they only present the 10% of the time it actually doesn't work. Right. Has politics aged you? I mean, most of the presidents come out and they look so much worse for the wear. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> bigger. Oh. <laughs> A little grayer? No, I, I, I don't know. That's probably not. You or does it keep you young? I mean, it seems to energize you. Yeah, so look, I'm one of these bizarre people that feeds off of people. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. I can't stand sitting by myself. I mean, like sitting, <laughs> even my wife will tell you, like last night I was home for 15 minutes. Like, what are we doing tonight? You know? Yeah. She's like, this is it. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Annie, let's go. And we just went for a drive. You know yeah. what I mean? I cannot sit still. And, you know, I think it would age me if I wasn't out. Okay. COVID was awful because I couldn't oh, see Oh, yeah. People. That's your nightmare. I couldn't go talk to people. Right. Um, you know, the fun part about the job is going out and going to the parades and going to the, like I said, like the Jim Edgar phone calls. Yeah. I just started calling people I didn't even know. and like, So funny. What's going on? You know, and. You could go to back to that if you get bored. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you knock on doors, you'll find out things about a town, about a community, about people you never knew. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But it's yeah. always interesting. Sure. You know, I'm one of these people that if, if I'm not surrounded by people, I would just like shrivel up. Yeah. But, well, that's all I have. Is there anything you want to plug, say, feel like we missed, any organizations, anything? Look, I would just tell everybody to remember that 
the good things in life that there's plenty. And, you know, I was at a funeral today for Jim Turpin. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about if you surround yourself with positive people, life's going to be fine. Yeah. There's going to be things you get hit with that aren't pleasant and aren't fun and all that. But you just got to stay positive and realize that with work, you can literally do anything you want to do and um, pick something you enjoy. I mean, I enjoy seeing people and talking to people and, and helping people. And that's one thing that does get missed in all this rigmarole. Mm-hmm. The reason I do this job, we get a phone call from a school teacher on a Friday, what's going to be the coldest weekend of the year mm-hmm. in February. And she says, I just put a third grader on a bus home to no house and no heat. Mm. And that's at 3.30 on a Friday. By six o'clock, we'd work with Amber and we got the heat turned back on at the house. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a newspaper and sure. that's okay. I don't want it to make a newspaper. But that's why you do the job. Yeah. Because you can't help people. Yeah. And that's why everybody should get involved in their community in some way, shape, or form to make it better. Right. Right. And help people. You know, the toughest thing for me is to say, like, I, you know, I can't help this person because I got to help 10 over here. Mm-hmm. Those are the worst days. Right. But generally speaking, if you do this because you want to help people. Yeah. And most days I can. All right. Any organizations that you want to plug? FCA you're really involved well, with? We love FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Fellowship yeah. of Christian Athletes. It's a okay. national organization, and they go into schools and through sports, you know, help take kids on and put them on, on better paths. And um, I, I will tell you, I didn't, wasn't expecting the opportunity to plug them, but thank you. FCA here locally does phenomenal things. And if you've got young kids, get them into the FCA summer camp. It's free. Okay. You know, free will donation, but nothing's expected. And it'll be a great week for kids in the summer. And all you got to do is just want to show up and have fun, you know, and they're going to take a kid and... And again, I, from the background I had, if I didn't have those mentors who popped into my life at the right times, sure. who knows? Right. So one of the most gratifying things you see is the kids as they're getting older, making appropriate life decisions mm-hmm. when so much inappropriate is coming at them. Right. right. There's plenty of decisions you can make that are bad for you. Right. Those are a dime a dozen, right? right. But making the one that's going to take you to the next level in life when you watch kids make those decisions because of something maybe happened in sixth grade or seventh grade because someone showed up in their life at the right time, that's the coolest part. So Sounds good. Thanks. Thank for you me. for your time. I know it's so valuable. Yeah. Nope. Have a great one. Thank you so much for listening. However your podcast host of choice allows, please positively rate, review, comment, and give all the stars. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share, and ring that notification bell so you know when the next episode drops. Also, search and follow HyperLocalCU on all social media. If I forgot anything or you need me, visit my website at HyperLocalCU.com. Bye!